Just before we start the show, a quick message to say that I need your help. Whether you're a long-term listener or you literally just found us, I would be incredibly grateful if you could go to mattalder.com and fill out a very short survey about this podcast. It won't take longer than two minutes of your time and will be incredibly helpful to me as I develop Recruiting Future into 2023. Just to recap, the website address is mattalder.com and it will take just two minutes of your time to complete the survey. Go on, press pause and do it right now. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 474 of the Recruiting Future podcast. With a news cycle currently dominated by significant layoffs in large tech companies, it's essential to take a step back and consider the longer term picture. Many employers are still struggling to find the right tech talent. Recent research has shown that skill shortages will continue for years as education systems are not setting students up with the right skills for our AI-dominated future. So what should employers be doing right now to recruit and develop tech professionals? And what is the impact of remote and hybrid working on early careers talent? My guest this week is Artley Thorkelson. VP of Talent Network at Redpoint Ventures. Artley advises startups across Redpoint's portfolio on talent acquisition and development. He has some important insights to share on the current state of the market and the strategies employers need to adopt to deal with the longer term challenges. Hi there, Artley, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please, could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Yes. Uh, my name is Otley Thorkelson. I am the VP of Talent Network for Redpoint Ventures. Uh, I have been here for about four and a half years, focused basically on figuring out who Redpoint wants to work with in our portfolio and how we can make that happen in a uh, mutually interesting way. And then uh, working with all of our founders across the portfolio to help them understand who to hire and when to make those hires and all the good stuff around talent. Fantastic stuff. Fantastic stuff. So obviously, highly volatile times over the last um, three years, huge issues caused by skill shortages. And at the moment, there's obviously a very big focus on the economy and um, layoffs that are happening, particularly in the tech sector. We'd be very interested to get your view on what's going on in the market at the moment as you see it and how that's affecting hiring. Yeah, there is, like I said, there has been no shortage of kind of ups and downs in the market in the last few years, particularly in the startup market. Um, we saw it first with COVID and everybody you know, running big layoffs immediately. I think what we're seeing this time around is people learned from COVID a little bit uh, or from the COVID layoffs a little bit rather that moving too quickly might be and being too reactionary might be a little bit of overkill. And so people were a little bit more thoughtful this time around. But we did see with the valuation pullback earlier this year, we saw a lot of companies start to think more about 
you know, having a longer runway, extending how how long until they need to do their next fundraise because it's a much less hospitable environment. And so as part of that, one of the first areas that they cut were we saw a lot of smaller layoffs that were more kind of efficiency layoffs than huge kind of pivots. So we saw a lot of 10 to 15% and we continue to see a lot of 10 to 15% uh, reductions in force, uh, a lot of reductions in recruiting teams, um, you know, SDR teams, some marketing teams as well. And overall, just everybody kind of battening down the hatches a little bit so that they could extend into what they hope to be a more hospitable fundraising environment. Um, And then we did start to see later in the summer and, you know, closer to what we're seeing right now, we're seeing more companies that are actually being materially impacted by other startups and other companies reducing their spend and that's starting to impact their revenue stream. We didn't see that at the beginning of the year very much. Um, and so that's kind of triggering an entire new wave of layoffs as people, again, restructure how they're thinking about the next couple of years of, of funding. What are the long-term trends that you sort of see sitting below all of this? Because, you know, so much was made of, for decades, we've been talking about how difficult it is to hire in the tech sector and the the skill shortages that that are there. Is that still kind of underlying the the general environment? What do you think, how do you think this is going to pan out over the next sort of 12 to 24 months when it comes to talent? What are the sort of the um, the longer term forces in play? I would say yes, it is easier now than it was a year ago to make good hires, I'd say. Um, now that's with the caveat that a year ago was just about the hardest environment to hire that I've ever seen and hope to ever see. Uh, there were, it was just, it was almost impossible for a lot of functions, a lot of, uh, stages of companies. It was just very painful for a lot of reasons. And what we're seeing now is, I mean, now specifically in a kind of a, micro uh, conversation we're seeing a lot of people coming back from the summer you know kids are back in school that kind of thing we, we, we're seeing more candidates in the market which obviously shifts the power balance a little bit towards the employer we're also seeing fewer companies that are hiring so it's less competitive on that front we're seeing more candidates being more interested in exploring new things because their company has pulled back they've run layoffs maybe their teams have been impacted and so i'd say in the relatively near term i'd say most likely the next six months it's a pretty good time to hire relative to the last five six years what happens in the much longer term i'm not entirely sure about i think there's one of my big concerns is that the development of talent over the last couple of years, especially early career talent, has been stunted by working remote in environments where maybe the company is not really prepared to work remote. And so they're not getting the same sort of mentorship. They're not getting the same sort of development that they would have if they were in the office all the time with their managers and learning from their peers. And so I'm I'm actually less concerned about what hiring is going to look like over the next year or two or three. And I'm more concerned about what's going to happen once those slightly less uh, developed leaders start to get into true leadership roles and companies are kind of put on their shoulders to be successful and they haven't had the same development as the previous iteration of leadership. 
I think that's a really interesting point. And I suppose it it really underlines the importance of talent within an organization in terms of, you know, not just talent acquisition, but also talent management and development and all the things that, that go with that. And obviously, recently, we've seen more and more tech companies hiring chief people officers to look at all those aspects of the business. Tell us more about that trend, you know, why it's happening and, and how you're seeing it pan out. Well, I think to your point, people care a lot about, particularly in environments like they have seen over the last couple of years, where it is almost impossible to make external hires, or at least it's very difficult and you need to pay a lot and it's a painful process and candidates are pulling out at the last second, all that stuff. In an environment like that, of course, it makes sense to double down on development of the people that are at your company to focus on, you know, to give them more opportunity for coaching, mentorship, uh, you know, courses and, and kind of individualized development. I think that is continuing to be the case. I think the, that gave the chief people officer more of a seat at the table over the course of the last, I'd say, three years. And then moving forward, I think a lot of what people are also thinking about is I touched on remote work in an environment where companies are not actually ready to be remote companies. We're continuing to see a lot of that. I mean, there are our portfolio was always heavily weighted towards remote first companies, I think relative to our peer set because of the types of companies that we invest in. But so that, you know, we were already looking at roughly 30% of our portfolio being remote first companies. And those companies have thrived. I mean, this has been a great few years for companies that were already situated to take advantage of those uh, those trends and, and they have the right infrastructure and foundational and, you know, kind of philosophical underpinnings to make that successful. The companies that weren't ready for that, that were forced into that are now figuring out, okay, what is the line for where we want to, where we want to end up? Because a lot of them have not done that very well, frankly, they don't have the, the, they don't have the structure to make that successful. And so they're thinking a lot, in tandem with these chief people officers about what is the right path for us moving forward and how do we how do we provide the right foundation so that people can continue to develop i think that's another thing that is pushing people in that direction and then there's just there's just a there's just a talent shortage and so everybody's thinking about how do we develop our talent how do we continue to grow how do we do that in a thoughtful way and trying to use the chief people officer as a high le- higher leverage role to do that Digging into what you were saying about the remote first businesses that you're working with, obviously very complex issue and something we could probably spend a whole podcast talking about, but I'd just be interested if you could give us a couple of examples of what is it the remote first organizations do when it comes to the way that they support their talent that the organizations who haven't developed as a remote first organization, but they struggle to do. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot. I think part, the biggest overarching theme is just is that part of your culture. Are people comfortable with that and comfortable creating touch points with each other outside of kind of the the need to know things? You know, there's uh, I think if you don't come from a remote first environment, it come it doesn't come naturally to create touch points with your manager or with your team that aren't based on hey i need this piece of information from you or whatever and i think there's a lot that people learn just from being in the room when decisions are being made um from off the cuff kind of learning about what the company's up to and and you know the the things that 
the things that matter to leadership and stuff like that. And then there's a lot of foundational stuff that if you don't start from the beginning of the kind of start from company inception is much harder to implement later things like, uh, you know, knowledge bases and wikis and stuff like that. So that everybody has the right answers at the right time, tools and resources that enable effective remote communication and remote collaboration being set up in the right way for people and people not having to shift their workflows to accommodate a new, new kind of collaboration and productivity environment. Um, but being able to do the same kind of structured approach for the entire, you know, for the, their time with the company rather than having to shift everything, reevaluate how they do their job and find new ways to make that work. Um, so I'd say, yes, it's knowledge sharing, it's touch points, it's mentorship. Um, and a lot of managers, are experienced with, you know, I'll stop by their desk, see how they're doing, shadow a call or two, you know, things like that. Um, but maybe are not, do, are not finding as much opportunity to do that in a remote environment and instead are defaulting to, you know, what's our weekly one-on-one cadence and what do we talk about in that structured time? And it just, it doesn't allow for the same, um, the same degree of, of kind of connection and learning. Um, and then there's also just a lot of, productivity lost I think we've we've seen more um, studies that are pointing to high performers continue to be incredibly high performers um, and in many cases are higher performers in a remote environment um, low performers really bottom out I mean you know if they're not required to do a lot of stuff they won't and so if you don't have the structure in place to understand how much people are actually getting done then that's another you know productivity falls out the window regardless of you know how good your team is there's all there are, will always be people that are slacking uh in in an environment where they can um and yeah i'm sure the list goes on and on like you like you mentioned but i think there those are some of the bigger things you see yeah and i think there's some great examples there a quick message from our sponsor winolo hi everyone i want to tell you about winolo that's w-o-n-o-l-o Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over a hundred markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York, and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com slash pod. That's www.wonolo.com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers. It's switching back to, to hiring and acquiring talent. Obviously, you work with a large number of uh, startup organizations, or you, you've worked with a large number of startup organizations over the last few years. What are some of the biggest mistakes they make when it comes to hiring? The biggest mistake that I see is under-engineering their recruiting process. And that's, as a startup founder, you're very used to 
things moving quickly, breaking quickly, being fixed quickly, that kind of thing. Um, but not being, you know, not having a lot of structure and process in place. And there are some advantages to that in hiring too. You can, you know, you can quickly determine whether someone's making an impact. So you can quickly shift to, you know, let them go or hire above them or, you know, make, make or changes as you need them to. Um, but the reality is that those are very expensive changes to make typically, especially if you need to let go of somebody, especially if that person's a leader. And so putting a little more time, a little more structured thought and a little bit more effort into making sure you're making the right hires the first time around. And frankly, just making sure that you understand how to interview people and how to, what to look for and that you understand the function that you're hiring for well enough to know what to look for and how to pressure test their answers and things like that. It's just, it's a very painful, it's a very painful loss to have to make these hires over and over again. And it also signals to the market that there's something wrong there. If you've had three CMOs in 12 months, you know, the fourth CMO is going to be a really hard hire to make um, because people talk. Tech is still a small industry and uh, it's very easy for people to understand, okay, they're not prepared for making this hire. And particularly if you're kind of a buzzier brand and, you know, people know the company and uh, they, they're talking about it, it's, it's really painful and it can create this very difficult loop um, where candidates know you're a challenging environment to work in. And so they get in there and you know, even if you can hire somebody, they're already kind of on their heels from day one. So um, it's very painful to rip and replace. Everybody already knows that. But I think there's there's just there needs to be a little bit more thought generally and a little bit more self-awareness, I think, uh, for for kicking off a new role and raising your hand to say, I don't really understand marketing as a discipline. I don't understand what to push for. Um, and there are too many founders that are, that have to, I think a little bit too much faith in their ability to uh, sniff out good talent when you have to get into the weeds on what makes them good. And is that the right, right hire for you at the right time? Is, do they have the right style? Things like that. And if you're a first, you know, even if you're a second or third time founder, but a lot of, you know, in a lot of situations, you just, unless you're really well prepared for hiring that function at that, at that stage of your company's growth, you do, you're not going to do it right. And hiring is never perfect. You know, even, even the best, um, the best interviewers, you know, probably make 20, 25% of the wrong hires. Um, that is, you know, that's a lot better than the worst interviewers who are making mostly wrong hires. Um, and so I think the biggest thing is just uh, underestimating how much preparation needs to go into these roles. And then there's also, you know, the advantage to a startup uh, over a larger company in the interview process is you can be nimble. You can move, you can move the process around to accommodate the right, the right candidate. You can, there are a lot of resources you can take advantage of, especially if you're in the VC talent ecosystem. Uh, you can take advantage of those VC talent people to make sure that you're not wasting time on candidates that they could back channel quickly or, um, you know, that they already know things about or whatever. Um, but making sure that you're not as a founder, you know, as a founder, your company's biggest resource is really your time, like, especially in the earlier stages, uh, and making sure that you're not wasting time on candidates that aren't going to be real or aren't going to be right for you. Um, utilizing the resources around you and changing the process to accommodate the right candidate at the right time. Um, those are some things that typically larger companies are, have a harder time doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, just to dig a bit. 
further into that because obviously there are there are things that startups do that get larger companies just wouldn't necessarily be able to replicate what are some of the great things that you've seen startups do when it comes to recruiting that you do th- that you think larger companies could replicate and learn from I think larger companies are more likely to I'm a, you know I'm a big fan of having a structured interview process but with the caveat that if you sense an opportunity to change it to make the company more attractive to the candidate or to get a better understanding of the candidate, you really should be doing that. And if that means that you find, you know, a candidate that has you have a particular question about how well do they work with engineering, you know, being able to just pull in an engineering leader to join the process to evaluate that stuff on the kind of on the fly. Things like that, where people are people in startups generally are more willing to just jump in and and uh, help however they can. And so, if you find people that have questions on, you know, or where you have questions or they have questions about culture fit, you know, find people that are culture carriers within your company and pull them into the process last minute. You know, adjust the process according to the candidates and um, the process that you already have in place to make sure that you're pulling the right levers to make the opportunity as interesting as possible for the candidates, but also to make sure that you have the people in the process that can that can really truly evaluate on the metrics that you're worried about. Um, I think that's uh, that's the mod- most most noticeable thing is the you know that they can be a little bit more nimble. Yeah, I think that's probably the best thing. Fantastic. So, final question: We've obviously seen a huge amount of technology and innovation coming into the recruitment recruitment market over the last few years and you know certainly the problems that organizations have had recruiting over the last two years have 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 really driven forward some really interesting innovations where do you think recruiting itself's heading what are you excited to see it develop in terms of recruiting and the technology that we're using yeah from a tech perspective i think there's we're now finally starting to see people have been talking about bringing AI into recruiting for a long time, but I think generally in a pretty non-successful way <laughs> up until up until very recently, we're starting to see those models and and uh, you know those companies get good enough that it actually does it's actually very effective, and it's particularly for more junior hiring and the higher up funnel parts of the hiring process. We are starting to see really accurate. Um, models for okay, I need to hire you know an AE who has worked on this kind of customer segment and this kind of deal cycle and things like that, and being able to very quickly through a lot of these newer technology vendors spin up a long list of very qualified candidates that wasn't really possible to do five six years ago. So I'm really excited about that. I think that becomes becomes harder to do with more niche roles and you know more executive roles and things like that and there's still a lot that has to be human driven in the process but to have an active and uh, an accurate top of funnel for your recruiting process is huge for every company i think the i have less exposure to the kind of more more advanced uh, engineering evaluation tools that are out there. But I also think that some of those things are starting to become more and more interesting. And then one of the interesting trends right now too is there's so much more exposure to and understanding of 
compensation data from candidates because they're not turning to they're less likely to turn to the you know peer sourced things like Glassdoor and uh, you know things like that, and more likely to have real data driven decisions that they're walking into these conversations with to say, you know, the offer that you're giving me is at the 60th percentile, and the equity offer is at the 30th, and I want to you know go up these bands and you know things like that, um, which has made it an interesting made an interesting shift in some ways to um, just a more informed candidate base. And I think that's great. Um, but it does mean that you as a, as a hirer need to be aware of those bands and need to be plugged into what they're going to come to you asking for. And that's largely driven by just the, the companies that have popped up that allow candidates to do that. Um, and they, they also allow the companies to do that. So everybody should be on the same page and it makes the compensation process much more transparent. I think those are the, some of the biggest ones that I've seen seen affected our portfolio companies, but there's a lot on the horizon. I mean, there's, you know, in the evaluation tools, like the, as NLP gets better and better, it's, you know, that's going to become a bigger part of the interview process for a lot of companies. Um, as these ML models continue to get better, you know, that's also going to, that's going to affect hiring in more parts of the funnel and more roles and, you know, just more broadly impact the whole process. Yeah. It's an interesting time for sure. Ali, thank you very much for talking to me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. My thanks to Artley. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram, where you can find us by searching for Recruiting Future, and TikTok, where you can find us by searching for Recruiting Future Pod. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get our new monthly podcast newsletter and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. Uh-huh.